As we start into week two on courageous, our focal point is courageous priorities. And uh, we talked about that song that we just sang. And, and honestly, that's where it all starts. Those, those changing the way we do things, the reason we do things, those courageous priorities start from the inside out. And so as we begin week two, I hope that and I pray that we've had a week of dads and husbands getting involved and doing some things differently uh, today, as I said, we're going to talk about our priorities, and I want to start off with this story. On Tuesday morning, September 11th, 2001, Dawn Robinson followed her usual morning routine while getting ready for work, which consisted of her morning quiet time, where she reads her Bible and, and she prays for God's leadership throughout the day. Shortly after arriving at work in New York City, she made her way to her office in the South Tower of the World Trade Center. At 8.45 a.m., she heard a loud boom, and looking out her window, she saw smoke from the North Tower. A voice came over the intercom and informed everyone that no one was in danger and to stay where they were. Dawn says that immediately she felt a compelling urge to get out of the building. Then she said that she had a a very intense feeling of claustrophobia, and she always, you know, as I read the uh, interview... She'd never been claustrophobic, never had a a problem with the spaces, especially her office, but had this intense feeling of claustrophobia. So she immediately began making her way to the stairs. She says that about 75% of the people she came into contact with were following the advice from the intercom system, and they were going back to their offices to continue working. Nevertheless, Dawn continued making her way down the emergency stairwells. And when she made it to the 42nd floor at 9.03 a.m., Flight 175, a Boeing 767, hit the South Tower, slamming into the area of the building where her office was located. Dawn says that God put an urging in her heart to leave her office that morning. What if she would have brushed it off? What if on Tuesday morning, for some reason, Dawn skipped her quiet time or her Bible study? What if for whatever reason that morning she didn't? Ask God for his leadership and guidance in her life on that day. There'll be many stories, and there have been this week on the news and in the papers and in magazines, uh, about close calls and near misses remembering 9-11. And many people who, who experience near misses are trying to figure out if it was luck or fate or God saved them. But Dawn knows it was the hand of God that led her to safety as I read her story. You see... She made her time with God a priority. Most people would not see daily time with God as a courageous priority. But as of 9-11, Dawn would definitely say that it is. We live in a world that has fallen. It's less than average all around us. But we need to understand that as Christians, we are called to have different priorities than the world that we live in. We are called to make courageous priorities pray with me father god again we come before you today as we prepare to open up your word i pray that you would open up our hearts open up our minds lord help us to look and examine inside ourselves i pray lord by the end of today the end of this service that that we will begin to look at our priorities differently. We will see what we're called to be and what we're called to do and that we will courageously reprioritize our life so that we can honor you 
so that we can be men and women who honor you with our lives, in our families, in our jobs, and in our community. Amen. I read this next story of Alan and Violet Large from Nova Scotia, Canada. And I want to share this story with you about them. Uh, No, they weren't at the the Trade Towers or anywhere near 9-11. But in July of 2010, they entered and won the lottery in Canada. They won $11.3 million. You're sitting there thinking, wow, talk about Easy Street. Now, I need to tell you, I'm not here to promote playing the lottery, okay? But here's how this works. These, These folks, the largest, they spoke openly about how the winnings actually complicated their lives. That they'd been as much of a burden and almost more of a burden than a blessing. And we don't typically think about that when we think about a large amount of money coming our way. And, and the result was that after taking care of family and friends and helping out some people, the largest gave away all of the money to local churches, charities, and hospitals, and their local fire department. Clearly, their generosity begs the question, what is really important in life? You see, Violet Large, she was suffering from cancer at the time, and she was going through chemotherapy. And she felt compelled to give generously to local hospitals and to cancer research in their area. The thing is, keeping up with the Joneses is challenging for anyone. And we've all had times in our life when we think about that. And as we talk about courageous priorities, I want you to understand that that when we begin to compare ourselves with others, when we begin to get into that mindset of keeping up with the Joneses, uh, comparison can lead to one of two things, aggression or depression. It can either lead you to aggressively pursue what you don't have in order to achieve status that in the end really won't satisfy what you're looking for. Or it will cause an overwhelming depression as you shift your focus from life's true blessings to the unmet wants and desires. The largest in their interview with the Toronto Star said, what you've never had, you never really miss. So it wasn't hard for them. They took care of some family friends. They they took care of some neighbors. And they still had all this money, and they were like, you know what, this is, this is more of a burden. What we never had, we never really miss. What makes their generosity so newsworthy is that it's just uncommon. When we find people who understand what really matters most, a family that had really what they could have bought anything, and instead they, they gave a chunk to cancer research, to local churches, to charities, When that happens, those people stand out because it takes courage to be that different and to have your life set apart according to a different, higher standard. I have another video clip that I want to share with you guys from the movie Courageous. But before it starts, what you need to know about this this clip is Javier, the man in the clip, has recently lost his job. But he's also been convicted to join some other men in a ceremony that they call the resolution at the time where he's going to commit to spiritually lead his family and be the father that he's been called to be. Money is a tight issue for them right now. As I said, he lost his job. And so you need to understand this suit that he bought, it's an obvious stretch for their family budget. Go ahead and watch this video. We'll watch that video in a second. <laughs> Just give me the signal when it comes up, okay? Um, 
Javier and his wife, Carmen, they're a couple that understands what matters most in life. And what happens is he puts on this suit, he brings it home, his wife is excited, his kids are excited, and, and she's like, try it on, try it on now. And, and she, he's like, really? She says, yeah. So he puts the suit on, and, and he's putting his tie on, and he's in the mirror, and, and he kind of pauses for a second, and he says, I feel like a rich man. And his wife, Carmen, she says, she says you are a rich man. You're much richer than, than one might suppose. She says, you've, you've got a family that, that loves you. You've got a, fa- a faith in God. And you've got a wife that adores you. And he starts to tear up a little bit. He gets that man tear. And he's like, don't make me cry in front of the kids. Stop, Carmen. You know, but that's, that's what the clip was. I wish I could have done a better job of acting that out for you. But Carmen and, and Javier understand what matters in life. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus reminds us, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, when we consider the things that we talk about, the things that we think about, the things that we spend our time and our money on, we begin to discover where our heart is. And I want to know where your heart is right now. Will you also discover, because when you see where your heart is, you also discover where your treasure is. If the largest had given you a million dollars, what would you have done with it? Would you consider yourself rich with only a million dollars? How do your financial decisions reveal your values? Three things Carmen said to Javier about their life that made him a rich man. She says, you are a rich man. You have a strong faith, children that love you, and a wife that adores you. Now, I have to take a moment and go back about four years ago, I had just been hired as our youth and family minister here. And uh, I was assigned one of our elders that was going to meet with me and share things with me and bring me along. And he had me meet him at Subway. And we sat down and he said, I've got just a few things that I need from you. He said, first off, as we go through this process, as you stick around and, and work, I need to know that your relationship with God All right, hold that thought. Remind me in a second, okay? Video's ready. He says, I need to know your relationship with God is where it should be. He says, secondly, I need to know that your relationship with your wife is in a good place, that you're taking her out on dates. Hey, don't play it yet. Okay. He says, I need to know that you're you're spending time with your wife. I don't need all your details. I need to know you're spending time with her, that you guys are dating, that you're having time together. And then thirdly, I need to know that you're spending time with your family. He said, because frankly, if you're not doing those three things, you are worthless to me as a youth minister. I was like, hurtful. It's like my second week here. I've been called hurt. I've been called worthless. It's true. We maintain that accountability. As we get together, he'd ask me, what are you reading? What are you studying? What are you doing? You and Mitzi spending time together. You and Dylan and Mitzi spending time together. That's it right there. I realized I'm a rich man. Same thing. Are we ready? Watch this clip. It's going to kind of tie it all in for us.
He lost his job. He stutters. Poor guy. He can't buy a break. Just (laughs) mine was better. (laughs) Listen, go to CourageousTheMovie.com. You can see that clip. (laughs) We'll check that CD out later. She does say to him, you're a rich man. You have a strong faith. You have children that love you. You have a wife that adores you. And when we stop to consider what matters most in life, relationships are usually something that makes its way up to the top of that list. Javier's relationship with God, his wife and his children, those are the things that last. Those are what make him a rich man. How would your life be different if you began to courageously prioritize? Not financially prioritize, not successfully prioritize, but courageously prioritize and live for the things that matter most to you and to God. What I want to share with you today is that God's word vividly illustrates the principle of wrong priorities. You see, in Joshua chapter 6, the city of Jericho had been burned. It was all over. God commanded that no one should take and keep precious metals and ores, but instead that they should be placed in the treasury of the Lord's house. If they obeyed and did that, it would reveal that pleasing God was more important to them than possessing worldly treasures. God was with Joshua and Israel just as he had promised. By the way, we're going to end up in Joshua chapter 7. You can go ahead and turn there. He, he, he promised, I told you this last week, he promised Joshua, everywhere you go, I will be with you. And he was. God was with Israel. They conquered uh, the land of Canaan. <clears throat> and, and in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, it happened. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is the story of Achan and the anger of the Lord imposed on the Israelites as a result of his sin. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, it reads like this. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. That was those, those precious metals and ores that I was talking about. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Wait a minute now. What did he really take that was so terrible? And why did God's anger burn against Israel when it was Achan who did it? What did God do in response to Achan's sin? We're going to look into this a little deeper, and we're going to see what happens when we allow just a little bit of sin into the camp, so to speak. Verse 2, Joshua chapter 7. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, go and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the people will have to go up against them. Send two or three thousand men to take it. And do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai. Uh, it's a nice way of saying they got spanked. They were routed by the men of I. Young people, when you get in trouble, you could be like, yeah, I had a plan and it was routed by my parents. I got caught. I got grounded. That's how you can work that into a conversation at school. They got routed. And it actually resulted in who they killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. And at this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. 
Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same, and they sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us, or excuse me, why did you bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. They will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, and I'm I'm reading that. I'm thinking, Joshua, don't you know what happened? No, he doesn't. (laughs) He doesn't know that Achan had, had kept these things apart. And the Lord says to him, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Why did Achan take from the articles consecrated for the Lord? Have have you ever taken something which should be consecrated for the Lord and hid it or used it for something different? Let's read on. Verse 13. God says, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. And you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord calls, or the Lord takes shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord takes shall come forward family by family. And the family that the Lord takes shall come forward man by man. He who is caught with the devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes and Judah was taken. The clans of Judah came forward and he took the Zerahites. He had the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families and Zimri was taken Joshua had his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord of the God of Israel and tell and give him the praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. And then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks. 
which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor. God judged the nation of Israel based on just one person's sins. He judged the whole nation on the sins of one individual. He removed his hand of blessing because Achan, without the knowledge of all of Israel or without the knowledge of Joshua, their senior leader, acted in disobedience to God. And there was sin in the camp and it had to be removed. Are you hearing this? I got to take a quick side trip, so stay with me for a second. A lot of times in church, we always want to blame stuff on the leaders. We want to blame the elders for something. We want to blame the the minister for something or the youth minister or, or whoever. We want to blame people. But we very rarely look at our own sin within the camp and think why things happen the way they do or how we get to a certain place. A lot of times things happen that we don't even know about. Just like here. Achan saw something shiny and he wanted it so bad that he took it and he hid it and he acted in disobedience to God. Joshua didn't even know. Joshua planned to take the next town like he was supposed to. And he found out when he got routed that there was sin in the camp. My question is, are you courageous enough to do what needs to be done, regardless of what others may think, in order to make sure there's no sin in our camp? As we... Reach out to our communities as you go and reach out to your jobs, as you fathers reach out to your families and husbands reach out to your wives. Are we willing to be that courageous to make getting the sin out of our camp a priority? All we have to do is honor God. David Beam and his family know what that means. That regardless of what others think to honor God. See, they have an opportunity where they could be so filled with hate and anger right now. But instead, David and his family will get through today just like they have every day for the past 10 years. His family, their faith and the assurance and frankly, the conviction they had on September 11th is not waned is what he says in an interview. He said, we know that God is sovereign, that his word is true. And we know that for those who accept the saving blood of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, their future is secure. Having that assurance has enabled us to deal with the attack of September 11th. Happily, that is no different 10 years later. His son, Todd, is regarded as one of the heroes of 9-11. He and other passengers on United Flight 93 were alerted to the earlier suicide attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, and they stormed their hijackers after Todd's now famous final known words of let's roll. And instead of smashing into the U.S. Capitol or the White House, the plane crashed in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. His father says it was the first successful counterattack in this war on terrorism. Their family has been a member of the Church of Christ at Manor Woods in Rockville, Maryland since 1994. He says, after a short stretch of national unity in a cause and purpose following the attacks, Americans seem to have forgotten that their country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. He says, we have not been affirming those principles in the days and weeks and months and years since. In fact, the reverse seems to be true. We seem to be on a slippery slope. 
toward accepting more things that were not the foundation of our country. But some have opened their eyes to the reality that their country, as well as their Lord, has enemies in the world today. He said he takes advantage of many of his speaking opportunities because he feels a sense of stewardship. He says, I have this story, I have this belief, and I have this faith. So if there's an opportunity to share, I feel like I'd better do that. It's not because it's fun. It's not because I like to continually relive it. He says, I've had the opportunity to witness and encourage people that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And that is what has enabled me to survive the worst day of my life every year. He said, without that peace, without that contentment, without that reality of who Jesus is, I don't know how anyone would be able to go on. He says, so it's given me an opportunity to exhort people and ask, what are you doing about God? What are you doing with his word? And what are you deciding about Jesus Christ? He said, if those words have caused some to make their own decision, hopefully the right one, then it's been a plus. As I get ready to close out, I want to share with you. It goes like this. I'm going to kind of put a bow on this and bring it all together. Because here's the deal. Students, one falling grade is enough to bring down your entire grade point average. One act of infidelity is enough to break apart a family. One single sin of omission or commission can have effects on your life and the life of your entire family for generations. That's what that story of Achan was all about. He made that act. He made that choice. Nobody knew. It cost him his life. It cost his family their life. They killed his animals because of it. You see, in the case of Achan, it was a sin of value. He was tempted by the treasures of the world, and he chose them over obedience to the Lord. How about you? Are you tempted by the treasures of the world? Will you choose what the world has to offer over obedience to the Lord? Part of courageous priority is identifying what it is that you're tempted by or what it is that, that causes you to, to stay away from God. And, and part of that courageous priority is, is putting things back in line where they belong. God, your family, your spouse, your kids. What are you tempted by? How do you place value on things? What are your priorities? And if your priorities aren't the things I've talked about, God, family, your God, your spouse, your family, if your priorities don't start there, are you courageous enough to start changing them today? Christians, remember, one misplaced value can be all the sin needed in the life of your family for Satan to grab a foothold. Achan coveted the things of the world more than the richness of God's promises. And in reality, the things that he coveted didn't even satisfy him. He couldn't even enjoy the spoils of the treasure. He had to hide it. He had to hide them in order to have them. None of us would ever do that. We would never have a hidden thing that we don't share. There's no value in it, folks. 
He had to hide them in order to have them. That is not satisfaction. Achan's entire family suffered and died because what he had done to Israel. Not to mention the 36 guys who went to battle that had no idea that it was a stacked deck, that they had come away from God's grace. Are you allowing hidden sin in your lives? Do we really think that it won't affect our families? It will. Part of courageous priority is figuring out how we can stamp out the sin in our lives, literally. You see, that story about Achan, he confessed his sin, but Scripture doesn't say that he repented of it. We can talk about the things we've done, but if there's not true repentance, there's not turning away from it. We're just like Achan. I stole the shiny things I wasn't supposed to have. Anytime that our selfish desires take a priority over God's word in our lives, we sin. And that sin has powerful implications for our spiritual health as well as the condition of our family's spiritual health. And when we desire the things of this world more than, we, than the things of God, we open our lives and our families to dissatisfaction and ultimately to the consequences of our actions. In short, what we can learn from Achan is that misplaced values mean displaced lives. It's simple, actually. God commands us to keep his words. It's the key to success and the source of our happiness and delight. And it's an indication of our love for him and a direct link to further revelations from him. It's the road of being blessed, if you will. But we have to prioritize it. We have to be courageous enough to do life differently. For our decision time today, I, I, I know last week I said I was targeting dads and men, but today I really I want moms and dads to consider how God wants you to reprioritize your family's values. Will today be the day that you step up as a Christian and say, I want to have courageous priorities from here on out? If that's you, come forward as we sing. Maybe your first act of, of a courageous priority is going to be an act of submission to Jesus Christ in baptism. Maybe your first act of, of courageous priority is going to be to find somebody that, that can mentor you, to find somebody that can pray with you, to find somebody that can be accountable with you as you make these priority changes in your life. Whatever it is that you need to do to make courageous priorities a priority, I want to challenge you to do that today. Won't you come as we sing? Stand with us, please.